Hey guys, Ali here, just letting you know that we've officially launched our Patreon exclusive bonus show, Zero Brightness Plus. Basically, every week we are going to be doing an extra short episode that covers either a topic related to this week's episode or just something that we wanted to talk about. It is Patreon exclusive, but it's open to all of our patrons, regardless of how much you donate. So whether you throw in a dollar or $10 or whatever, uh, you can listen to it. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up now. And yeah, we are going to continue doing this. We have a bunch of cool topics planned and a bunch of stuff we are excited to share with you. We talk about it a little bit in this week's episode, uh, but we sort of fleshed out the plans for it after we recorded. So just wanted to drop in this reminder, patreon.com slash zero brightness. Keep your eyes peeled. A bunch of cool shit's going to happen. Uh, yeah, thank you again for listening and supporting us. And yeah, on with the show. Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali, and I'm joined by my friend James, who has asked me not to ask him how it's going, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to say, hi, James. Hey, what's up, dude? Not much, man. I'm just living. Just living? Just living life. It's going great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, awesome. I feel, like, sad because you didn't ask. Oh, well, hey, James. How's it going? Humanity's complicated. Yeah, man. That's how it's going. So today we're talking about (laughs) Blasphemous. Yes. Uh, Blasphemous, uh, Ritual of the Symphony. (laughs) Yeah. So it is a, you know, 32 slash 16 bit style Metroidvania game. Heavily, heavily influenced by Symphony of the Night. And, um, yeah, it's been kind of turning heads and freaking people out because it's got this great art style and it's pushes all those buttons for you. If you like anything that I just said, you know? Yes. Uh, I love it. I liked it. And then I had a bunch of mixed feelings about it. Uh, so we'll get, we'll get into it. It's not perfect. It's yeah. really fucking good though. And it's really fucking pretty. It is. Yeah. Extremely gorgeous. Um, so before we get too deep into it, a couple things. As always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to find out how you can support the show and help us do what we do. Also, Zero Brightness is a game club. At the end of every episode, we tell you what we're going to play next. So you can play along at home or just get excited for a future episode because you're like, I don't like any of these fucking games. But hey, two games down the line might be something better. Yes. Also... On that Patreon thing, 
we really appreciate the people that donate. You're paying for our web hosting. You're paying for our SoundCloud. You've actually paid for a couple Steam keys so we can review new games too. So thank you guys. You rule. And we want to, you know, we, we've had it up. We haven't done any rewards. So we might as well put more content out. Yeah. And we, we've chosen to make the rule that we're going to put content out for patrons only. But there's no minimum. You can just give us a buck and you can listen to all the bonus shit too. Right. If you like us, think about throwing a buck in the hat. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I agree with all that. Very well put. Um, yeah, why don't we talk for a second about what we're going to do? Because I know we have a couple things ready to go. I mean, first yeah. and foremost, we're going to be doing extra episodes that are either off topic or semi off topic. So maybe well, there's just- so much stuff that we do talk about that yeah. like is totally off topic. Yeah, that like people like we get feedback from you guys and people love to hear that stuff. So, I mean, we might as well do it. Yeah. They're gonna, they'll be shorter episodes, less edited, mm-hmm. but it's us. We're your friends. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're also going to do some bigger, like, more marquee stuff. So we might do yeah. something that could be, like, a main episode that would actually end up only on the Patreon. It'll just be, like you said, a little less edited, a little lower production value, but same, like, content. Um, yeah. So we are able to do that. We have the the time and the ability. So we're just going to do that and yeah, really try and make it worth your while to give to our Patreon. Um, another thing too, is that I'm going to make a private playlist of all the music that's on the show. So if yeah. you like the music that we make for the show, you will be able to listen to it. If you are a patron, I mean, obviously you could bootleg it and give it to everybody and fuck us over, but you guys seem cool. And I don't <laughs> think you would do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- the way that we do this show, the amount of production value that goes into it, we create like so much anyway that we just want to make it like exclusive to our patrons and just give you guys like as much as we can. Yeah, like I mean, it's pretty amazing that like anybody gives us any money to <laughs> yeah, do this. Agreed. And I mean, I mean, there's only a handful of you guys, but it's like a huge deal. So, right. And, you know, just in the interest of, you know, yeah, like getting more people on board and growing the show, it's, you know, we just want to make sure that you guys feel like you got it on the ground floor on something cool and that, you know, if you show it to other people and maybe they want to get involved, that there's really like something worthwhile for you guys, you know. Another diversion here. We had a listener question that I want to answer. Oh, yeah. Because it's oh, yeah. on topic. Uh, so, we don't really have like a segment or anything for this, but if you guys do have questions, uh, send it to our email. Uh, we'll do our best to answer it. Um, we'll definitely get back to you via email, but also if it's something like this, we'll do it on the show. Um, Send so, it to our Patreon, Patreon yeah. Q&A. Yeah. Our we'll, Discord. We got a Discord. Come oh my God. talk shit with us, dude. Uh, our Discord is popping like all the time. It's hilarious. You got to get in there. <laughs> um, yeah, we have some really cool people in there and they are funny and like cool shit and like to talk shit. So you should definitely No get jerks in there. allowed. No jerks allowed. We haven't had any jerks yet, nah. but- once no. they show up, we'll kick them out. So it's chill. <laughs> um, but our pal Luke asked, <clears throat> or actually he said, it kind of starts as a declaration, I guess. Uh, he said, I am newly getting back into video games. I haven't played a lot of video games since I was a little kid, but I always had a soft spot for the artistry behind video games. So while I wasn't actively playing anything, I pretty regularly stayed tuned into what was going on in the video game world, and I love engaging with people on the topic. I recently decided to buy a Switch as mostly a Mario Kart machine for my partner and I. 
but I have been wanting to branch out and try some new games. I mean, this is all super relatable to me. I think it probably Dude, is. T- this is like my story. Like, yeah. I got back into games because of Mario Kart. Exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why I was like, we got to answer this. And it's on topic. We'll get to it. Um, he said, I bought Bloodstained, which is sick, despite being kind of a weak port. I know there have been a bunch of games you have talked about on the show being ported to the Switch, and I wondered what game or games would you recommend me picking up? Are there any deep cut Switch exclusives you have played that you liked? <laughs> so, I don't know about exclusives, but immediately... Well, so, that's the thing about the Switch. It's like a port machine, Yeah, right? totally. And like, the, th- the thing yeah. I realized was like, I was like, I bet most of the games that we've covered on the show are on the Switch. And almost every game that we've covered on the show <laughs> so far has been ported to the Switch. Yeah. Um, well, and- he brings up artistry. So, you know, like, that kind of skews my opinion in different ways about what he wants. Right. You know? Yeah. But, like, so, first and foremost, the game we're talking about today, Blasphemous, is on the Switch. I mean, we, we both played it on PC, but, I mean, amazing art. It's a cool game. Uh, definitely would be fun on the Switch. The other thing about the Switch is, like, uh, I mean, anything on it you can play handheld, which to me is an enticement. So, yeah. anything that you hear us talking about, you're like, that'd be cool to play on the Switch. I mean, it's worth getting on the Switch. Um, the one game that I've played for the show on the Switch actually was Detention, um, mm, which you can go yeah. listen to that. That's in the Red Candle Games episode. Highly, highly recommend that game. Yep. Um, yep. Bloodstained, like you mentioned, is on the Switch. I guess it's a bad port, but... It's uh, not a great port, yeah. It's on there. Um, so is Deadly Premonition. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's like big or shattering news. Um, Deadly <laughs> Premonition is on a Switch. It got an initial patch, so the huge issues with the game... Like the audio, not having dialogue, et cetera, et cetera. That has been patched. Yeah. So Delhi Premonition is playable on the Switch. And for me, it runs better than the PC port. Other stuff that we've covered that I think might be fun on the Switch. Outlast is on there. Um, uh, Little Nightmares. Little you got to play Little Nightmares. Like if, if you're into like artistry in video games, Little Nightmares. Yeah. And we review that and it's actually our least popular episode. <laughs> so go check that one out. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, Alien Isolation is in our Hide 'em Ups episode. I think yep. that's a great game. You can get more nuanced thoughts. Well, you can get more nuanced thoughts on all these games by going and listening to the episodes. Please do that. But uh, <laughs> Alien Isolation, I think, would be fun on the Switch. The Resident Evil remake is on the Switch. Also, would be fun. I think like Resident Evil one through six are on Switch, yep. or zero through six. Zero through six are on Switch. So like, and um, Revelations. Revelations yeah. one and two. Yeah. So there's a ton of Resident Evil on the Switch. Um, oh, yeah. sorry. There's one other game I played on the Switch for the show, and that was the Onimusha remaster. Um, uh, of course, that was great. Super fun to play handheld. I highly recommend that. Um, Limbo and Inside are also on the mm-hmm. Switch. I played those on my phone and liked them, so I would recommend playing those handheld you can go listen to the episode and hear james rip me to pieces for playing them on my phone and i still don't feel bad or give a fuck um ethan carter is on the switch which sounds yeah kind of banging to me well i mean if you have to play it on your fucking switch play it on your switch that one's like a you know like total like pc powerhouse showpiece thing yeah but if you have to play it on your switch do it on the switch um and uh, Observer, which I think would be oh, yeah. cool. That's, All the blooper shits on the fucking Switch, right? Yeah, well, except Blair Witch. Yeah, so that also. So those are the the games that we reviewed that I think I would probably recommend. Um, 
that are on the Switch. Now, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. So a couple games that uh, I wouldn't recommend, but you can play on the Switch if you just want to try some shit out. Layers of Fear is on there. Not a big fan. Yeah. Uh, that episode is pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> Outlast 2, which we didn't do an episode on, but we had a brief discussion of in our Outlast, or it's in the Hide'em, or yeah, it's in the Hide'em Ups episode yeah. with yeah. Uh, Alien Isolation. So Outlast 2, I don't like it, but I don't know. If you want to check that out, um, but then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And this is either games that um, just came out, are still coming out, or that I haven't played. I've only either been recommended or checked out. So uh, Remothered, which we mentioned in the last episode, um, yeah, is on like the Switch. Yeah, it's like a weird clock tower thing. Yeah, like a spiritual successor to clock tower. And the mm-hmm. dude ended up working on the actual spiritual successor to clock tower, Nightcry, which is a terrible pile of garbage. Um, <laughs> but that's not his fault. It's the other guy's fault. Um <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Darkwood, which is a game that just came out. That's like uh, top down. How did you describe it? You said it was like a uh, gothline Miami. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. That looks cool. Uh, there's a visual novel, if that's your thing, called Deathmark. Oh, yeah. I've been curious about that. Yeah. And then there's also on Steam. Yeah. There's a first person horror exploration game called Bendy and the Ink Machine. That kind of looks cool. Somebody recommended that for an episode. Yep. I just saw that. Maybe um, in the future. There's an upcoming game that's like a Lovecraft-inspired sort of action detective game called uh, Sinking City. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty cool. That was like a PC game first. Yeah. They're probably squishing the shit out of it to fit it on a, a Switch cart. It wasn't a super like graphics powerhouse, so I think it'll be okay. Um, yeah. And then a couple games that are, you know, I've tried and really enjoyed and that we may cover at some point too. Uh, three I had on here. Number one is oxen free, which is a great, great, mm. great, uh, adventure game. Um, almost like a point and click adventure game really focused on dialogue yeah. trees and stuff. dialogue heavy. Yeah. I didn't like as much as you, but I love, I, I won't beat you up about it. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that game so much. Uh, and then night in the woods, which is night like in the a, woods is gangster as fuck. Yeah. Dude super fun like mystery adventure game really good um and then highly recommend yeah and then hollow knight which you haven't played but i have and i'm going to talk about that a lot today so yeah i've played it a little i have yeah. probably played an hour of it yeah so i won't say more about it because i'm about to say a whole bunch about it <laughs> that has been your spooky switch corner um <laughs> so first few titles we listed off highly recommend everything else uh is either you know your mileage may vary or maybe check it out maybe you can check some of this shit out and tell us if it's good um we would or love just to play fucking zelda and yoshi like a real nintendo user yeah that's what i'm about to fucking do dog don't even get on my shit <laughs> dude uh full disclosure ollie is salty because he got Link's awakening and he had to play <laughs> blasphemous instead i am not salty <laughs> I got to play a lot of Link's Awakening. It's like one of my favorite games ever. I've played it like f- fucking 20 times at this point. I'm okay. I, I, I'm I not salty, James. Stop it. Yeah. I've been distracted too because the new Hitman stage came out. So I've yeah. been like mainlining that shit into my veins. Yeah. No, I know. Don't try and fucking shame me when you're over here with your addiction. God damn you. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. We need to start talking yeah, about yeah. last Okay. So we already <laughs> lost all our new listeners. <laughs> Bye, guys. It was nice knowing you. Um, so, Blasphemous. Um, blasphemous to me is part of a micro genre. I'm going to coin another genre if you'll allow me to, James, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is uh, Gothic Metroidvania. 
Oh, I totally get it. Yeah. But it's almost like Soulsvania, right? Yeah. So this game and Hollow Knight are the two flagship titles, I think, for this micro genre. Well, you can't forget Salt and Sanctuary. I haven't heard of that or played that or anything. Well, we need... I'm going to start playing a little Spanish flea here while Ollie Googles that. Because yeah. <laughs> Salt and Sanctuary is kind of like the OG 2D Dark Souls okay. from a couple years ago. It's got the difficulty. It's got the souls. It's got the bonfires. Um, I played about an hour of it. Didn't click with me. I didn't love it. But I've got buddies that absolutely love this fucking game. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it, it sounds like it's in the same vein as these games. And what yeah. I was going to say is that, to me, the defining characteristics of this micro-genre is basically mm-hmm. that they combine Metroidvania games with an emphasis on the Castlevania side of it uh-huh. with a heavy Dark Souls influence, which we'll yes. get to later, picking that apart. But they also wrap it in like a distinct dark aesthetic and visual style so Mm. with hollow knight it's kind of like almost like cartoony gothic like ultra dark everyone's bugs all right but it's also monochromatic so it's got that real stark visual style yeah it's really cool it's really fun to look at in blasphemous it's like 16 bit uh, Spanish Inquisition era religious art. <laughs> yes, very gothy, very um, Victorian almost, I guess. Very violent and bloody. Like, definitely yeah. an emphasis on the sort of like religious art, maybe even from the Renaissance era when it was like, it was depicted as like very much a sort of like, you know, enlightenment and ecstasy through pain, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of like bleeding saints and bodies piled up. I mean, like Hieronymus Bosch obviously comes to mind too. when you're playing this game, just like it's death metal as fuck. Super death metal. Yeah. Before we get off the goth vania thing, I did want to bring up one more game. Okay. Which is called a Momodora reverie under the moonlight. Okay. Haven't heard of that either. It's, it's a Metroidvania with, uh, keeping helping of Dark Souls, but it's uh, more anime-like, and the main character's cute. Sure. But it's still got the dark kind of, like, foreboding atmosphere and the fucking difficulty. Right. So, yeah, Momodora, it's always going on sale. Get it for five bucks or less. Nice. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, these games are really, like, an interesting genre mashup. And, and it really is a subgenre within Metroidvania. I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. I think it's it's very distinct. And now having played, so I completed Blasphemous, and I haven't completed Hollow Knight, but I've put a lot of hours in that game, which mm. is like kind of wild. That game is really long. And, yeah. uh, but having played a lot of both of those games, it it's really striking how much of a subgenre it's become. And it's cool. I'm here for it. I think these games are very cool. Yeah, I mean, anyway, we're going to get more Symphony of the Night, I'm down for. Right. And I think, you know, just a quick conversation, too. I think these are very relevant to horror games, even more than Castlevania or like Bloodstained, the sort of spiritual successor to Castlevania is because they the atmosphere and the aesthetic is so much heavier in these games than even in Castlevania, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, like Hollow Knight is like almost in black and white and it's super dark and Mm -hmm. has this beautiful music and 
sound mixing that's crazy and like you know blasphemous is the same way but it's it's colorful and has a totally different aesthetic um but it really draws you in and is very immersive in the way that a good horror game is it's also like the aesthetics are so crazy and heavy that it can be pretty inaccessible to you if you're not already into horror games i was talking to one of my coworkers mm. about this and she was like i want to check out blasphemous because like she loves symphony of the night and she loves dark souls but she was like i don't know the aesthetic is kind of putting me off and i was like i i get that because it's like a lot of like naked bodies bleeding everywhere yeah like i, I had a coworker say that like straight up oh, that game looks gross it is and, like, gross <laughs> that's all he would say about it it's like oh it's gross yeah so, i yeah. i mean like obviously we're like the target market for it so like we can't really speak to that but i fucking get it because it is like yeah. it's like freak nasty but you know whatever yeah well, so yeah, it's got this like Catholicism, like extreme Catholicism thing Catholic going on guilt with it. aesthetic TM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's de- definitely got that Catholic guilt foo, as Joe Bob would say. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Game Kitchen developed this game. Mm-hmm. They're actually from Seville, Spain, uh, which was the headquarters of the Spanish Inquisition. No, that's super cool. I like knowing that about the game because when you play it, we'll get to it, but it's it's so strange and it's so obtuse. That there's moments of like, man, how did they like come up with this shit? But then knowing that it's like, oh, there's a bit of like actual like culture and history at play in this yeah. um, definitely makes it a little more interesting uh, or like understandable, I guess, to me, maybe. Yeah, th- this game is like if the PA talk came alive and like ripped Jesus's head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. So let's talk a little bit about the various elements of this game and and these games in general because we're kind of talking about the whole genre here. Um, what they you know where these different elements come from and how they are mixed together within these like gothic Metroidvania games. So. Yeah, well, it's like Neapolitan ice cream, right? Right. You got a big slice of Dark Souls and a big slice of Soten. Uh-huh. And then just a little bit of everything else. That's Symphony of the Night for everyone who's not looking at our notes. <laughs> Soten. Everybody knows what Soten is. Oh, yeah, sure. Where you, Everybody hold up your gamer cards. <laughs> Hail Soten. Um, <laughs> so the Dark Souls influence and the elements taken from Dark Souls are the most striking thing right off the bat because metroidvania is already like a pretty established genre but Mm -hmm. the so the dark souls elements really stand out because they're newer um even though it i mean it has to be one of the most influential games of the past 10 years like oh undoubtedly it's seeped into everything and so it's like even become a meme that everyone compares everything to dark souls but it's like i don't know man everyone like when Breath of the Wild came out and had all that Dark Souls shit in it, and I was like, all right, yeah. we've officially reached peak Dark Souls. Well, it even changed the way storytelling in video games is told. Right. You know? And it's an action RPG. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Those dudes were on some magic shit. Right. So, for me, um, we'll get to everything here, but for me, the standout points of what these types of games draw from Dark Souls number one the most striking is a death mechanic so Mm. some sort of mechanic or light explanation for how your character can die over and over and over and over right and yeah in all these games you have to go and collect your body like you do in dark souls in hollow knight it works like almost exactly like in dark souls without the humanity aspect Mm -hmm. but it's like you lose your currency so you need to go collect it 
Yeah. In uh, Blasphemous, it's a little different. Every time you die, you accrue guilt, and it shortens your magic meter, your MP meter, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. And so you need to go collect your body to get your meter's capacity back to full. Um, right. But it doesn't affect your currency, which is the other big standout thing that these games pull from Dark Souls, which is that there's a single currency that acts as both money and XP and item upgrade fuel. So right. you're just spending the currency you collect to upgrade item slash armor and upgrade your character and upgrade your skills, you know, and buy new items. And I think that's like a very Dark Souls thing. Like, and once again, in Hollow Knight, it's just Dark Souls. Like, you collect souls. <laughs> in yeah. Blasphemous, it's a different currency, but it acts in pretty much the exact same way. And the other thing, obviously, yeah, is like the storytelling. Um, it's like the big thing that these games pull from Dark Souls. You do get some cutscenes in Blasphemous, right? But the meat of what's going on in the world is told through snippets of dialogue, like when you pick up an item and you read the lore, mm-hmm. or you know, an NPC might say a bunch of like stuff that doesn't make a ton of sense, but later you'll read a note and it'll give you context to what they said. Right. Uh, you might kill a boss and then later read the lore behind the boss. Yeah. Well, and um, this, like, in the menu screen, every item has a press Y to read lore prompt. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which like, is dope. Which is super dope. I think um, Blasphemous does the the Dark Souls influenced storytelling really, really well. Mm. Um, more so than Hollow Knight. I think in Hollow Knight, it's not as much of that. But in Blasphemous, it's a lot of it. Partially because, like you said, there's all it, the lore is very like well thought out and well written and presented to you in a way where you can skim it if you want to or you can skip it if you want to you know um but the big thing in blasphemous that stood out to me that it mostly just because i wasn't expecting is that there's a lot of cutscenes and they're really well uh written directed and acted with what little dialogue is there they do a lot with it right like the voice acting is great the writing is really cool and interesting and these cutscenes they look like they're from an old PC game or something. They're like the same 16-bit style, but with like crazy animation, and they fill the whole screen. And they're usually yeah. against like black backdrops. It's a very striking look. And yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And every time it popped up, it was kind of like, you know, Dark Souls like has cutscenes very, very mm-hmm. sparingly. And it was always mm-hmm. like kind of nice because it it broke it up and you weren't expecting them. In this game, it was the same, but they were like way cooler and I and they happen more often. Um, so it, it was actually like a really nice unexpected thing. Like, uh, I was more immersed and interested in the story, you know? Yeah. Well, it, going with the imagery, there's like, there's just such a brutality to the imagery, mm-hmm. um, with this game of dark souls, there's like dead bodies everywhere, you know? And they're like refuse in the corner of each room. You know what I mean? Right. And it almost like trivializes death and you like, after a while you stop seeing corpses and it all just like turns into like, you know, like kibble as Philip K. Dick would say, just like unknown mess, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And once again, I mean, it's like why this game really feels like a horror game. Cause you're like, man, it's, it's fucking heavy and it's dark and yeah, it can kind of start to weigh on you if you play it long enough. (laughs) Why are all these flies flying around my PC? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so 
couple other things that this game specifically pulls from Dark Souls. Um, mm-hmm. The sword play is very, very in-depth and has a lot of influence from that game. Way more than any other game I've played like this. Well, you get the built-in three-hit combo, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get a skill tree, so you can add a fourth hit or you can add a upper- uppercut at the end. Mm-hmm. There's parrying, yeah. which is a lot more forgiving than Dark Souls. Thank fucking God. Yeah. And it's really satisfying to do. Yeah. I loved the pairing, which I've never said about a video game ever. So I think, <laughs> Same. Yeah, I think it was forgiving enough that you could you could do it pretty well. And you wouldn't be, you know, you'd fuck it up sometimes still and get some hits that were your fault because you fucked up, which is like, all you know, classic in this kind of game. But it felt a lot better than any other game I've played like this. Yeah. Well, there's depth to the sword play, but the negative in that is that, you know, unlike Bloodstained, you don't pick up new weapons. Right. Which can be a plus or a minus for you. Um, I'm kind of on the fence. I like the depth and just the sword play. When I play Dark Souls, I just use the sword and shield anyways. So Sure. I, you know, we'll talk about it a little more later. I have some kind of spicy takes on this, but I <laughs> I really like the depth in Bloodstained and that that's kind of like the, the Aria of Sorrow, Dawn of Sorrow type yeah. Castlevania experience. And when I play Dark Souls, I mean, I do some wacky combos, but like, <laughs> so I, I like that a lot. Although I will say that I really appreciated the depth to the sword play here. Like, there, when the moments when it comes together are really, really cool, and it really sets it apart, especially because like it looks like an old game, but then you're playing and you're like, wow, yeah. this is crazy. I never played an old game, 2D game that had this kind of like deep um, sword fighting. Uh, I thought it was really cool, um, but yeah, we'll get to it later. I have, I have some more thoughts about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, it's got bonfires. Yeah, which all these games also have some sort of bonfire type thing. Uh, mysterious items that don't really have a clear use yep. that you pick up and you might figure it out later. Or you might fucking not. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing from dark souls that this game gets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one huge negative is instant cheap deaths. Yeah. Uh, spike pits are lethal in this game and they will fuck your day up. And bottomless pits are lethal too, which yes. drove me nuts. Now late in the game, there's an item you can get that makes it so you just fall into the room below but it's like yeah what the fuck it's a metro it too late yeah it was too late and also like why do i need an item i should just fucking fall into the like <laughs> i guess the only explanation would be that they put like dark soul style fall damage in but like fuck dude that's stupid like yeah i mean it was a nice surprise to get that item because i wasn't expecting it yeah but yeah i mean there's a couple rooms in this game where as you're traversing into the room and the room loads you're on the edge of a cliff and so like if you're like me you're just holding right the whole time yeah so i just like instant die like (laughs) off this cliff and i would do it like three or four times in a row yeah totally traversal is one of the problems of this game yeah and so like my mind turns off as i'm traversing and then i i I walk through the threshold and die and i'll do it four times in a row so this is a good segue into the last thing i want to talk about (laughs) that takes from dark souls which is being hard as fuck i mean it's not as hard (laughs) as as dark souls but it's fucking hard and a lot of it is like cheap hard like i love the combat in this game and once again we'll 
get more into it later, but I think the combat difficulty in this game is like perfect. But then the traversal, instant death, cheap death stuff is like way out of whack. Super. It it really is. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, yeah, it's got the Dark Souls difficulty, but in a weird way. Like I when I talked to my coworker about this game, when I played the first half, I was like, this game is not as hard as Dark Souls. And then when I played the second half, I was like, maybe it is in a really bizarre, unexpected way. You know, it's not. It's just fucking annoying. What I'm saying is that like if someone was trying to figure out whether or not they should play this game and if they're like Dark Souls was way too hard for me, I'm kind of split if I'm like Mm. this game is easier than Dark Souls because it just is on a lot of levels. But then there's this one big level where it's like, ooh, maybe this is still like not a recommendation for you just based on the like skill level you know yeah well it's it's not as hard as shock on the forever man (laughs) yeah that game is fucking hard yeah well that was something we talked about the cool thing about this game that i i think is one of its best points is that it has this aesthetic and this look that you may have seen previous games from the 16 or 32 bit era that kind of had this aesthetic, but they either weren't good or they were like unreasonably hard, like Shakan the Forever Man, the Gargoyles game for Sega Genesis, like shit like that. But mm-hmm. this game has that look, but it's really well made and it's really playable. Even if it's only for a few hours for you before it gets too hard, it's definitely playable. And like, do you remember The Immortal? Yeah. <laughs> for like everything? Yeah. Talk about Dark Souls. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing, too. I think there's moments where this game is like if you were alive during that time and you play those games, you're like, this is so gratifying because it's like those games, but it's not literally fucking impossible like those games were. But then there's also moments where it's like, this is also very annoying like those games were. Yeah. You know, so I think we've covered pretty well, like what this game got from Dark Souls. Right now. Like, what did it take from Symphony of the Night or Soten? Yeah. Well, and you put it pretty well. Yeah. You put it pretty well in the notes when you said almost everything, question mark. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's got the map. It's got the same game progression. um, Yeah. You know, finding shortcuts and kind of like making traverse a little bit easier by exploring areas. Um, yeah well symphony of the night doesn't have kind of like a home base little town which blasphemous does have mm -hmm. and interestingly enough uh bloodstained also has it too yeah and i actually really like that yeah i think it, it balances the game and like centers the game a little bit it's nice to warp back to your home base and like take care of stuff yeah um i enjoyed that in both of these games uh, mm-hmm. I will say too, this game's map is kind of interesting. I it looks like a Castlevania map, but to me, it didn't really feel like a Castlevania map. I think partially was those like bottomless pits you could fall into, but it also just yeah. it feels wider and more spread out. So the stages feel more a little bit more like separate stages and not as cohesive. I think that's a positive. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I could see it going either way for you, but it feels more like Dark Souls, like where it's just a big map. Totally. And you, you open up shortcuts and things loop back and you can get between areas, but it doesn't ever feel like a Castlevania map. Eventually, you know it. It's like a, it is like a big house in a really weird way. Right. You know? Yeah. This game, like there's definitely like a Blight Town and there's definitely a an Orlando, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It does give uh, the feeling of a 
bigger scale journey or something. I don't know. Yeah, no. And I actually thought that was really interesting. I just think it's something that it's worth pointing out if people are going in just being like, oh, I want, you know, a Metroidvania game. And it's like, it is for sure, but it's very much like an RPG, action RPG adventure game, almost more than a Metroidvania game in some respects. So another aspect of Metroidvania games that is huge are uh, the collectibles. Right. And while while this one doesn't go insane like Bloodstained does, you know, because Bloodstained has crafting and a million different weapons and items, shit you'll never use. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blasphemous still has a ton of collectible stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the unique things about the game is that instead of, you know, finding different weapon loadouts or, you know, changing weapons or leveling up your character necessarily... You're more often than not juggling what different collectibles you have equipped, which yeah does give it a very different feel because it it changes your loadout, but in kind of a strange and oftentimes subtle way. Yeah, so essentially you can equip different rosary beads, and they're sort of stat boosts, and you can add more knots to your rosary. Uh-huh. So you can I think you can wear up to nine of them. Yeah, I think I got eight by the end of the game. Uh. Yeah, I got all but one. So yeah, uh, you can collect rosary beads and rosary knots. You find a an NPC that upgrades it, so you, you don't immediately get it upgraded when you find the knots. You have to bring the knots to somebody that'll add them to your rosary. And that's kind of how all of these work. Like, there, yeah. there's always someone you have to take an item to. There's heart containers. They're called bile flasks yeah. this is a heavy metal game yeah oh, fuck um, Estes we drink bile in this house <laughs> gross well <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah bile flasks are your heart containers essentially but yeah they're like Estes because in a fight you have to use them to get a quarter of your life back like, yeah they also suck like Estes they don't give you enough well and one thing is like dude if you're gonna jack all this shit from Dark Souls like give us the Estus upgrades you can get like you cannot so it's like basically having the unleveled up Estus flask in Dark Souls which yeah. is a nightmare and it is kind of <laughs> a bit of a nightmare and just like Estus you have to like it takes a second to work because yeah. basically he like breaks this jar of like blood and like wipes it all over his face <laughs> so you have to wait till he wipes it all over his face to move again yeah Oh, another thing, <laughs> another thing that this game takes from Dark Souls that my coworker pointed out to me, and she had only really seen like art and screenshots of the game. She was like, "Yeah, it looks like it has that Dark Souls like funny hat thing going on." <laughs> funny hats. And I was like, "Oh yeah, they they had a huge funny hat budget in this game." Yeah, uh, I'm. I can't wait for the dunce cap mod. Okay, so there's uh, a bunch of cherubs floating around in like little <laughs> glass cages. Uh-huh. They're called Children of the Moonlight. Yeah. And if you collect 20 of those little sumbitches, you get to fall down pits. Yeah. So that's cool. And there's 38 and total. I got 20, and then I didn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got, like, 32. Yeah. But apparently if you get all of them, uh, you get, like, a swarm of cherubs to attack bad guys. I don't know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah so um, another thing that you sort of collect are power upgrades for your sword. Which is basically yeah. whenever you find these shrines where you can spend your, you know, Dark Souls style single currency on, um, it ups your sword a level. So that's kind of the one 
sort of concrete leveling up thing you can do, which is very interesting because it's mostly based on exploration. Like a lot of these collectibles are, it's like, yeah, it's based on fully exploring areas and finding this stuff. Those kind of, they're, well, your sword is called mea culpa mm-hmm. and you find power-ups for it, but all the power-ups, they come with a caveat. Like they'll boost your attack, but might also lower defense. Yeah. Things like that. So yeah. there's a little bit of a juggle with those, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's kind of similar to where like you collect prayers, which are basically like your special. And yeah. you can equip one at a time. Um, and I there's a lot, it looks like, judging from the, the number of empty units that were there. But yeah. I found a few of them. And uh, it, it's interesting. They were all super different. It kind of feels like the enemy abilities from like bloodstained or the sorrow castlevania games yeah so you get like a big death laser yeah you get one that speeds up your attacks for yeah. 20 seconds you get, you get one ability one yeah um i rarely use these actually in the last few boss fights which are way harder than the other boss fights in my opinion i used the invincibility one a lot because it was the only way I could mm. figure out how to use enough uh, Estus. Oh, sorry, bile flasks <laughs> to like heal my character because I had like fucking nine or ten of them, but like you need like yeah. four to do like a decent amount of healing, you know. Mm. So I'd use yeah. the invincibility power up and then just be like chugging blood. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, uh, there's there are collectibles that are like lore only. They're bones of people that have died. Yeah. So they're like everywhere too. So you'll find like a tailbone and you'll find like a forearm, like just all over the place. Right. And each one is like a person that was like killed during the narrative or like beforehand. And it has a story behind them. Yeah. It's pretty cool. There's like super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked reading the descriptions. Yeah. And there's like a room where you go to hang them all up and survey your collection of bones. (laughs) An ossuary. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. That's my metal band. <laughs> and Ossuary. <laughs> That's the name of the band. So fucking yep. like 2006 emo. Love that shit, dude. Yep. So uh, there's uh, Oil of the Pilgrims. It maxes out your magic. It makes your magic longer. There's the Lady of the Six Sorrows. Yeah. Which is like a woman from a illuminated manuscript. Like that kind of art style. Mm-hmm. She's bare-chested, and she's got swords through her chest. Yeah. And she'll, like, pull a sword out and raise your minimum uh, health. Yeah. So you get, get a little extra on top. Yeah, uh, for sure. And so if you're if you're not getting the picture yet, there's a lot of shit to find and collect in this game. And it's, like, very much about exploring and collecting, which is a double-edged sword um because on the one hand it's cool because you want to explore the world and collect all this stuff and it's very gratifying especially once you get into a position where you can run around and find all this stuff but it also means you got to do a lot of running around which as we've talked about a little bit is kind of difficult yeah so i don't know about you but it's really satisfying to me to like pass up like this area in a hallway 20 times because I can't reach the thing and then you could finally reach it and then you're like, fuck yeah, I got the thing. Right. You know, that's like what these games are about, right? Yeah, exactly. So I really like it. It never gets to the level of like, I know we listed a bunch of shit, but this isn't like Donkey Kong 64 levels of collecting. 
No, yeah, there was maybe a moment when I first started playing it where I was like, fuck, that's a lot of shit. Like where every time it opened up a new tab in my menu and I was just like, oh my God, this is a lot of stuff. But it's no, it's, it's pretty manageable. I think because there isn't like the direct skill leveling up thing, um, having all these different items kind of makes up for it. Yeah. Well, well, there's a skill tree for your sword. Yeah. Where you unlock new attacks. Yeah, and it's pretty dope. It's not, like, super in-depth, but there's a lot of good shit. Like, you get this, like, dash attack. The dash attack uh, is amazing. It's the best thing in the game. Absolutely. And it keeps upgrading, and it keeps getting, like, sicker and sicker. And then, like, by the end, it's, like, this big, like, echo of a butcher knife going through the air. It's fucking gangster shit. Yeah. You have a great dash, too. Like, the dash in this game is fantastic. I will say that, like, I think this game... So, with all these games, the real, like, test of the game just in general is when you pick it up and you do the basic actions do they feel good blasphemous a hundred percent passes that test like great jump great sword swing great dash you know almost there's one thing the fucking death from above why is death from above fucked up like we know how to do death from above i've been playing video games since 1986 you hold down and attack when you jump and you do the death from above and 75% of the time, it doesn't work in this game. I don't get it. I think I use that literally twice the whole time I play this game. Cause it sucks. My point is that this game passes that basic test of like the basic actions of the game feel good. It was the same thing with bloodstained. Like when yeah. I picked up that game, I was scared cause I thought it was going to suck. And then I played it for like five minutes and I was like, Okay, this is going to be at least good because everything in here feels good to do. Blasphemous absolutely passes that test and it looks great too. The animations are gorgeous. Like whatever you're doing looks cool. Yeah. I think that there like I said, the the whole thing being collectible based because of the traversal being so difficult and a lot of this stuff being really only accessible late in the game. There were aspects of it that I didn't love. And as much as I don't like grinding, I find that in Bloodstained and in Hollow Knight and even in Dark Souls, like I did like having grinding to fall back on and not always having to do this like traversal thing. So like if I do want to get something up a level or something, I can just find a good place to camp out and be by save point and go grind or whatever. In Blasphemous, yeah. it's like, no, you have to explore and you have to traverse. And especially later in the game, I was just like, dude, I'm so sick of this. Well, okay. The first problem with traversal upgrades, there is no double jump in this game. Yeah. What? Like what? Somebody mod in a fucking double <laughs> jump in this game. Yeah. Like, isn't that the rules? Like everybody got the bloodstain rules. I mean, like the Symphony of the Night rules, right? Yeah. There's like a pamphlet you get when you start making a Metroidvania game. Yeah. What the fuck? There's no double jump. Well, All right, let's talk about some traversal upgrades you do get. Yeah. Uh, there's a thing called Blood and Sand, and essentially it just reveals hidden platforms in random places. Right. Uh, before you get it, you'll see kind of like a red mist. Once you get it, you'll notice these like bloody platforms. Right. Um. There's a really similar... Thing, oh, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, one, one thing that you do... In the game, instead of doing uh, wall jumps, is that you, like, jump and you'll stick your sword in the wall. Yeah. And you can climb up like that. 
There's a traversal upgrade called the Three Tongues, which grows roots out of the walls and ceilings, where you can kind of like wall climb those. That's like a really weird traversal upgrade, and it's only used in a few places. Exactly. There's another one that lets you jump um, from water because initially you can't jump from water. It's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. There's the the linen of golden thread is one we were talking about where you could, uh, collect 20 cherubs and then you don't uh, get instant death when you fall down a pit. You just fall into the room below, which is how it should have been yeah. anyway. And then there's yeah. the, the silver lung, which lets you breathe poisonous air. So here's the problem with all of these. Number one. They're very cumbersome. Like I said, yeah. for a game that feels so good, it's so weird that like the bloody platforming is terrible with the um, the three tongues is weird. Like you have to be in just the right spot to get the tree to grow. Otherwise, it like goes back on you and it's very frustrating. Yeah. Not being able to jump from water is really, really stupid. It took me so long to find that upgrade. Yeah. And totally. it's just infuriating because right by the beginning of the game, there's a spot where you can't jump high enough. Yeah, exactly. The area where you use that <laughs> the most is like the second area in the game, which is nuts. Uh, yeah, the bottomless pit thing and and the spikes, which you don't get an upgrade for. But those two things are like awful. And then yeah. the poison cloud, it's like it is what it is. But the poison cloud thing reminded me of like what I really didn't like about it, which is that you have to equip all these and you only get three slots. Yeah. So... When you get these, instead of them just being passive abilities that are always on, which is like how it should be, you have to actually go and equip them. And so you're like equipment juggling, which is like the original Link's Awakening. Even the new <laughs> Link's Awakening got rid of that because it's it's clunky and it's annoying. Like it's okay in Link's Awakening because that game's from like whatever, 91 yeah. or something. And we just all got used to it. But like it drove me crazy and it was just so weird in a game where like the like I said, the all the basic actions and the sword play feel great, but then all the traversal and platforming stuff to me felt like shit. And <laughs> it drove me nuts because the game has all these platforming challenges and a lot of them you need like pixel perfect platforming, but then you had all these like clunky ways of doing it. So yeah, one thing I wanted to bring up was the jumping, which is not really bad but you can't articulate your jumps if if you just barely tap the jump button or you hold it as hard as you can for as long as you can you're gonna have the same jump arc yeah um that's coupled with a ledge grabbing mechanic uh -huh. which works 90 percent of the time and that 10 percent of the time when it doesn't work it's fucking infuriating yeah I think I found a bug in one platform that was at the right height, but I literally could not grab the edge for like, I, I mean, I tried so hard to grab that fucking edge and I know I could, it just wouldn't grab the edge. It's infuriating. I, yeah, I mean, it is so punishing. Like, like I said, it's like so tight, like pixel perfect. Like, yeah. And it was just really annoying because like the jump feels good, but then it just feels like every, almost every jump is just a little bit too wide for your jump. Mm. And so you have to be doing this kind of uncomfortable, like jumping really late thing. And then you fall off a platform. But if you fall off a platform, you like always insta die. Like you're never in a position to not insta die. And yeah, like, okay, here's two things. I was going to get into this later, but I think I just have to talk about this now because it's driving me crazy. Okay. And and I don't want this to turn me shit on this game because I really like this game, <laughs> a lot of this game, but like this shit drove me crazy. Number one, 
I don't understand why these games are so horny for the super hard platforming, right? Because Hollow Knight has it too, right? And mm. I don't fucking get it. Because in our Bloodstained review, I said I don't really think of Castlevania games as platformers. Like, they have platforming, but they're not that, like, super hard, like, tough as nails platformer right. type game. Like, when I think of that stuff, I think about a lot of stuff I grew up playing. Like, I think about, you know, Rocket Knight, or I think about, like, um, the fucking Genesis, like, Mickey Mouse games that were really fun, but also really fucking hard. Like, yeah. Shit like that. I don't think about Castlevania or Metroid, really. I guess Metroid is, has a little bit more of that, but, like, I don't know. I don't know why these games have such a strong design element. It's so confusing. It's the Super Meat Boy factor. It's totally Super Meat Boy. That's why I kept thinking. I was like, God damn it. Fuck Super Meat Boy. God but damn. It, it works in a fast-paced game. In Super Meat Boy, you die, and you're playing again in 0.2 seconds. In yeah. Blasphemous, you fall into the pit, and then you have to walk for 10 minutes. Right. Well... <laughs> And here, yeah, here's another thing. I do think I liked it better in Hollow Knight because in Hollow Knight, it's more set up so that you're traversing and then you have to stop and do a really hard platforming sequence in order to unlock a new area so you don't have to do that again or to unlock an item that's optional or something like that. Like, mm. it's a lot more segmented. In Blasphemous, it's like... The traversal, everything is so spread out, and you have to do these long walks of shame, as you like to call them, like, so much that it's, like, unrelenting, and so you're constantly doing the super hard platforming. I mean, falling down the pit and having to, like, go back up is punishment enough. Like, don't make me fucking fall on the spikes and go from the last save point. Yeah. And, like I said, it's just a bummer because I think the combat and boss difficulty is, like, perfect, and it grades up and gets hard, but at the end, so the end game was where it really got problematic for me because the bosses are harder, you have to fight them over and over, but then you're also having to do this, like, platforming traversal thing, and it's just, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I I, I can do one or the other, I don't want to do both, and I'm just, like, not having fun, you know? Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Since we're on traversal, we should talk about the biggest problem with this game is that there's only five teleporters in the entire world. And if you just look at a map of this game, it's fucking huge. And there are some corners of it where there aren't portals within five minutes walking distance. Yeah. And it's crazy. Um, Specifically, I'm thinking about, like, if you want to go to something like the uh, convent of Our Lady of the Charred Visage. Yeah. Like, that's a fucking walk, dude. Mm -hmm. You do get a... You get a um, a shortcut like way late in the game, but one, it's not on the map, so you have to remember that it exists, right. which I didn't. Yeah. Or two, I mean, well, I guess there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big one though. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the map now, and there's so many corners where it just takes so long to get to. Uh, it's yeah. really punishing. They could easily double the number of teleporters. I mean, save a lot for late game, right? 
Yeah. But, I mean, give us some more fucking teleporters, guys. Well, and here's the thing, too. I think this could easily come off to someone who doesn't agree or who hasn't played the game as just, like, complaining. And I don't want it to come off that way because, to me, it's a serious issue with this game, design issue, because it put me off of playing the game. Like... So late in the game, you have all of this side quest stuff that you can do. You have all these items that you know you can go explore and look for. And like for me, I got to the late game and I was really excited. I was like, I know I'm right before the boss, right? And like I want to go and do all this shit. And I did, but I only did about half of what I had the items for. Like there were side quests that I knew I had the items for and could complete that I just didn't fucking do. Because it take forever. It take forever and it'd be frustrating and not fun. And like in a game where the combat is already somewhat difficult. And for me, I know you thought an earlier game boss was really hard. I didn't think any of the bosses were hard until like the last three. And those just kicked my ass. Well, there, there's this one boss called Our Lady of the Charred Visage, uh-huh. and she's basically like a big fucked up head with hands that shoot bullet hell bullets at you. Yeah. And I, f- I think I did that boss really early. Oh, yeah. There's a trio of bosses earlier in the game, and you can beat three, uh, the three of them in any order you want, basically. Sure. I think I did her last. I did her first. And she fucking destroyed me. That corner of the map is after a very vertical part. Mm -hmm. So I front loaded myself with difficulty because I had to go through um, an area called uh, where the olive trees wither. It's hard as fuck. Hard as fuck. Which leads you to a very vertical area called Graveyard of the Peaks. Extremely hard as fuck. Hard as fuck. And then you go to the hardest boss in the game. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. I front loaded the difficulty on myself with this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like the traversal stuff. Yeah. It's just a bummer because like I said, it puts you off doing all the other fun stuff in the Mm -hmm. game. The other thing too, and I, I don't really think the map is well designed in this game. I think that in dark souls or in Castlevania, it's set up so that there are multiple hubs so that like when you get to an area you know you can go to like three other areas from that area. And it might not always be obvious, but once you get the lay of the land, you're like, oh, I know I need to go here and then here. Everything is like max like three kind of jaunts from each other, right? In this mm-hmm. game, it seems like there's way more areas that are either clustered up in a weird way, but you can't move between them or they're really fucking spread out. It's really frustrating. I never got the hang of it. There are some hallways that are just very difficult and I would avoid them. Yeah, totally. Um, There's one hallway between the sleeping canvases. Oh, yeah. And to the left of that is another place. And there's like the Tomb of Mercy or something like that. But there's this fucking cursed hallway (laughs) with a bunch of pendulums that'll knock you into spike pits. Yeah. And like, there's no other way around. You have to like take the real long way around to get to the other side. Oh, yeah. It's just a fucking nightmare. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's and so I guess that's what I mean. I think the reason that I want to talk about this stuff and is that it really was a big part of my time playing the game and it really impacted how I felt about it. And mm. so I think that like now, I mean, I want to move on to bosses so I can talk about something I liked about this game because there's a lot of stuff <laughs> to like and I don't want to seem like I'm just sharing this game. But I think it is important for people to consider like some of this stuff. Like if, like I said, I think like with a Dark Souls game or a, a, a Souls-like game, I think people are, mm. are 
there are people out there and I'm kind of one of those people where it's like, I don't know if I want to play this because if it's just super hard as nails, like, am I going to have fun with it's a little less for me with 2D games because like I'm actually really good at this kind of platforming stuff because I grew up playing all these hard games, but I don't really want to do it. (laughs) And like (laughs) in certain contexts, it's just not really that like fun for me. And Hmm. I think once again, I I don't want to shit on Blasphemous too hard for it because I think it's a weird flaw that's kind of in a lot of these games that I don't fully understand misplaced difficulty yeah and i think it's the meat boy thing and i guess people are just like well that's how we do it now and i'm i'm not really a fan but i I think it's important to note that it's like in there because i think a a, two another thing a lot of reviews this game are just like it's like dark souls man it's hard and it's like (laughs) no it's it's a very different type of gameplay it's a different type of difficulty that's very granular like in certain areas like and that's why i like the combat and the bosses so much in this game is that they're very like dark souls in style but almost nothing like them in terms of the actual act of playing it you know yeah totally i mean you're definitely not hiding in people's asses and rolling through their legs and stuff there's one boss where you roll through his legs that's (laughs) it but like you know it's not the classic like souls like thing but um let's talk about these bosses because they're crazy Dude, I, this is the best part of the game. Well, I don't know. No. There's a lot to like in this game, but the bosses are fucking cool shit. I think it is. If this was a treasure game, it'd have a boss rush, and I would be fucking playing the shit out of that boss rush right now, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, speaking of treasure games, it's not as hard as Cuphead. Oh, yeah. I, I still need to play that. <laughs> Brother. I Brother. You must Cuphead. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but, yeah, like, the bosses in this game are insane in in an awesome like half dark souls half treasure kind of way they're huge they're screen filling they're intense they do have that bullet hell aspect which like i'm pretty good at bullet hell games from all the hours i've poured in the ikaruga um i'm definitely (laughs) not an expert but i've played a fuck ton of ikaruga so yeah um yeah the designs are just incredible on these bosses right yeah it really does have a like Contra, Metal Slug, Gunstar Heroes. I feel like one boss is a huge homage to one of the bosses in Metal Slug X. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a boss where you have to fight uh, three sisters at once. Three sisters with pointy hats. And the entire time the screen is moving upwards, it's very reminiscent of the stage two boss in Metal Slug X. Yeah. And it's also very reminiscent of the Queen Bee boss in Cuphead. Okay. Which I believe is also a throwback to the boss in Metal Slug X. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really cool boss fight. It requires you to like platform while fighting the boss, and mm-hmm. it's actually very cool. Um, that's one also where like your special abilities come in really handy. I like the bosses in this game because I think they they all challenge you to use like a different skill so like there's one yeah. where it's like a dude suspended by hands and you have to knock the hands out of the way so it's like oh can we talk about him a little more he's so cool he's like he's like a corpse like a skeleton corpse like but he's a saint so he's like all gilded with jewelry and fancy clothes but he's animated by a bunch of like disembodied arms holding him up yeah and so you can't really attack him, but you have to attack the arms. Yeah. And just like, it's such a cool looking thing. Like, god damn. It's awesome. And it's really fun. And like, 
The thing is that boss fight, if you haven't been using the dash attack, like you have mm. to learn how to use the dash attack because yeah. like that whole boss fight is just like you getting schooled in the dash attack or like the three sisters. To me, it's about platforming and it's about using your specials because otherwise that fight is really difficult. Our Lady of the Charred Visage, which was the hardest boss for me. Yeah. It's, it's like the most bullet hell of them. Yeah. I don't know what lesson it's giving you, but it's like the lesson is you're fucked. I think that one was about recognizing that there are some projectiles you have to dodge and some projectiles you can deflect. Yeah. Um, like my favorite boss fight is actually like the second to last boss fight. It's, uh, it's just a straight up sword fight and like you just have to parry all the time and it's like just really intense sword play and it looks like super, super, super cool. Um, it's uh, Chris Santa. Yeah, that's one of the few bosses that's the same scale as you. Because yeah. usually the bosses are, like, screen-filling. Yeah, for sure. Oh. And so it's, like, that to me is, like, a good... That's, like, a treasure thing or, like, a you know, a, yeah. a good boss in that style, like Contra or Treasure or Metal Slug, like, those types of games. There's always, like, a trick, and it's pulling from the abilities you have in the game. Or, I mean, like, Gunstar Heroes, right? Like, Gunstar Heroes is probably my favorite game that's kind of like that. Yeah. And, like... The, every boss requires you to hone a different skill and use a different totally. ability that you've developed over the course of playing the game. Well, you absolutely have to play Cuphead because Cuphead cops so hard from Gunstar Heroes and the creators like constantly cite Gunstar Heroes. I know. There's even a, a boss, the, one, the second to last boss fight, you fight King Dice, and it's just like the uh, board game boss oh. and gunstar heroes nice I the love first that time boss. i played it i was like overcome with joy <laughs> i was like these guys get it yeah no i i know i've been meaning to play it since it came out which was <laughs> kind of a long time ago now so yeah. yeah i gotta do it um but yeah these bosses are they're so 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 good and even so like i said i think the last three in the game there's a big skill jump up but they once again, it's all like testing your skill and like Dark Souls, this is what I was getting at with the thing about that really remind me of Dark Souls is that you're meant to go and fight these bosses, learn their attacks, figure out how to beat them, and then like go in and do that perfect run, right? Yeah. And in that way, it's much more accessible than Dark Souls because there's always a save point right before the boss. So. Yeah you're never doing a walk of shame to get to a boss. You're doing that just to like get around, but like <laughs> you're never stuck at a boss, like, you know, having to walk through a bunch of fucked up areas. Like the game makes it very accessible to learn these bosses and get good at them. And in that way, I, I really appreciated the game. Yeah. Uh, I do have to mention the giant baby boss. Oh, hell yeah. Because it's so disturbing and awesome. Yeah. It's like a, a giant baby that's blindfolded. And it's like bleeding from its eyes. Yeah. And then you don't even fight the baby. You fight its umbilical cord. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but like if you stand still too long, the baby will grab, grab you and rip you in half. Weird. It's so, oh, you haven't seen it? No, that didn't happen to me. It was in the original trailer for the game. Yeah, you got to look it up because the baby will fucking rip you in half and it's so gory. My only critique of the baby is they shouldn't have put it in the trailer because I wish I would have just stumbled on it. Like, because it's yeah. such a crazy design that I would have loved to have just seen that. It, it's like with the dude that were the uh, Melchiades, the guy suspended by hands. Like, the yeah. first time you see that thing, you're just like, oh, yeah, what the fuck? And like, 
I kind of wish I could have had that reaction to the baby, but instead I was like, oh, hell yeah, it's the baby. <laughs> I, f- I feel like the giant baby was probably one of the first bosses they completed. Yeah. Uh, just like they did the pirate in Cuphead. Because like, okay. they started showing off the pirate boss in Cuphead real early in development. And that game, th- that boss was actually uh, really late in the game. Oh, okay. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the baby's pretty late game. Man, yeah, all of these bosses just need to be experienced. Uh, they're super cool. Like, if you like any of the games we're listing off, I mean, you're going to love these bosses. I mean, I really, I finished the game and I was like, fuck, where's the boss rush? Like, I want <laughs> a fucking boss rush. Like, yeah, this the best part of the game. And especially by the end of the game, when I was tired of, you know, running around and all that kind of stuff, I really wanted, I wanted more of those bosses. Damn, it's cool. Yeah. Man. Well, one thing we haven't talked about that is a huge injustice are the the enemies, like just the regular enemies. Mm-hmm. They're so varied and creative and gory and fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, totally. I think the enemy design in this game is fantastic. I also think that it's one of the stronger points of the combat is like when you get to just run through areas that aren't platform heavy and fight enemies like you realize that a lot of these enemies were designed to test your mastery of the combat system. So it's like, you got to know how to dodge. You got to know how to parry. You got to know how to dodge attack. Like you have to know how to do all this shit. Otherwise you're going to get wrecked by these dudes. But then once you're good at it, it's like, it just looks fucking cool. Like you're just running around like swashbuckling, just like killing all these ghoulies and it looks cool as shit. dude. Yeah. One, One thing that I will give the artists credit for is that they don't censor stuff. <laughs> and it's not like ske- sexualized. It's like no. you're living in a hell world sort of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? It's very Dante's Inferno, Bosch, and very Bosch inspired, just these sort of like awful gardens of gore and nude people. Yeah. It's it's cool as fuck. And all the vistas are cool too. Like when you look in the background oh, of wherever yeah. you are, everything's nuts. There's one section, uh, this is like a gimmick that's been a thing for about 10 years, but there's one section that's all uh, in silhouette. Oh, yeah. But it's so gorgeous, you know? But it was so much cooler in this game than like any of the other five games we reviewed that had a silhouette section. (laughs) (laughs) Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. (laughs) Yeah, check out our review of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. What was that, episode 12, 13? I can't remember. Check it out. My scariest horror game of all yeah. time like and subscribe hit the bell what's up youtube how are you doing <laughs> well and that's a really good segue into talking about the presentation and story in this game which are top notch right well, <laughs> you want to do the story first <laughs> yeah so story i don't know <laughs> i have no fucking idea what the story is well okay here's my two cents on the story i have no idea what's going on <laughs> but I do think that the world and the presentation style and the bits of lore and the aesthetic are really cohesive, right? Like more so than Dark Souls. I think with Dark Souls, for example, like it just sounds like generic, like fantasy hoo-ha where it's like the world was unmade and then reborn forged from the flame. It's like, what are you saying right now? Do you hear yourself? <laughs> like in this game, it's all about uh, sin and punishment. Uh, uh, treasure yeah. reference. Uh, uh. <laughs> but it's like, it's so steeped in that lore of like, everything is biblical. It's all about sin and retribution and all this stuff. And everything looks like 
you know, this Renaissance painting, religious iconography that like, you don't have to know what's going on to get the vibe. And the vibe is very cool and very heavy. Yeah, it's sort of like Spanish Inquisition meets Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. But like, okay, so we know like some quote unquote miracle happened. And then like everything's fucked up. Bunch of dead people everywhere. There's like dudes with whips hitting people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some real Hieronymus Bosch third panel shit, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, one, when you get to the town, there's like this building in it that sort of becomes your hub. And there's like this sect of people in there. They're called the Kissers of Wounds. Oh, yeah. And it's like so gross because they're just like laying around like kissing these dying dudes. And, like, as you're playing the game, like, more and more of them die, and more, like, graves show up. Yeah. I don't know if you could, like, stop that or whatever, but it's all just so fucking grim and disgusting. Yeah. But that's what I mean, is that it has all these cool details, and it all fits within the aesthetic. So, Mm -hmm. to me, I was so much more into it, and I felt like I... If I didn't understand what was going on, I felt what was going on. (laughs) Yeah. I... I feel like Hollow Knight doesn't do that as well as this game, but it has some of that same thread of like, you're in this sort of dead or dying world and you get Mm -hmm. the emotion. The game has a good, like real sadness to it, but it's not as well articulated as it is in this game. This game, I really felt like I got a grip on it. And in Dark Souls, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. So like I said, it's literally just like a bunch of fantasy novels copy pasted. I mean, great aesthetic, but like what? Yeah. You know, huh? You guys out there can read all the item descriptions and explain it to us. Yeah. You can, that one YouTube channel where you're supposed to listen to the guy tell you what everything is, but I hate his voice, so I can't listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Actually, we should start a YouTube channel and say a whole bunch of nothing. So, and you know, to go along with this, as we sort of hinted at, I mean, the graphics are incredible, like the pixel art, the animations, Mm -hmm. like, holy shit. So it's got like a muted palette, but I wouldn't really call it like ugly or monochromatic. No. Um, I don't know how to describe it because there is, you know, like bright colors, like the red, (laughs) but like every, everything still looks grim, but one thing that this game does better than Bloodstained is like it has a cohesive look everywhere. Yeah. And even places like sewers and caves don't look like shit. While in Bloodstained it just looks like like generic Unity engine shit or something. It always looks cool. It doesn't matter where you go cuz yeah, it's a muted earthy palette but there's still a lot of color. And it varies from area to area. So you go into an area and it's kind of like a dark blue. Or you go into an area and it's like a tan orange. You go into mm-hmm. another area and it's kind of a dark green. Like you get all these different colors and it helps you remember going from area to area, which is one of the strengths of Symphony of the Night or the Symphony of the Night type Castlevania games. Like you mm-hmm. you remember the color palettes. You remember where you are. It reinforces. And yeah, I definitely think that's a weakness in Bloodstained. Like it's also kind of weird looking and not great looking that you can sometimes get lost just because you're like, where am I? The the bright neon purple place or the other bright neon purple place, <laughs> yeah. you know? So like I, I definitely agree that that's a, that's a big strength in this game and it always looks great. I would say that most of the map is memorable too. There are a lot of great set pieces. There's yeah. this one spot in the 
uh, area with all the paintings where you find a, a painting of all the cherubs and a big bull. And that was just like really visually stunning. And uh, there, there's, there's a bunch of just spots like that. There's an NPC you find that's like in a bed, but she's like possessed and like bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Very dark soulsy. Just like that one little room is really memorable. There's, but even like, uh, there aren't a lot of like copy paste hallways and things like that. I mean, there's a couple, but they're very few and far between. Yeah, totally. Even the, so there's a lot of breakable items everywhere. And even mm-hmm. those are surprisingly varied. Like in a Castlevania game, it's always just like torch or candelabra. And I was surprised to see that that stuff even varies up in this game. You know, I think this game, harking back to what we said earlier about it feeling almost more like an adventure game or an action RPG, you know, similar to like Elder Scrolls or Breath of the Wild, there's a lot of moments that stop you dead in their tracks, dead in your tracks because they're very, very cool and sometimes breathtaking, even if it's in a gross, weird and dark way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of grotesque things that stop you, there's like a bunch of like creepy NPCs. Uh-huh. And the most interesting that comes to mind for me, the first time you meet her, she's like a giant hairy egg. <laughs> and yeah. then afterwards, she grows into this giant woman with three faces. Uh-huh. And she gives you another like tiny hairy egg. Yeah, <laughs> so gross. Oh, it's super gross and weird. And then like you take the hairy egg, do other stuff, but like, Talk about a memorable NPC. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, you know, they give all these characters distinct voices, which I think is very cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything feels memorable. So, like, you can kind of remember the tone of their speech or the meter of their speech, you know, or things like that. And it's very cool. It, in you know, that's sort of a Dark Souls thing, having these distinct NPCs, but I do think that the the writing, the acting in this game is, is better and it feels a little more uh deliberate. Yeah, I, I love all the the weird, crazy NPCs. Um there's a lot of like pathetic little men, like the the monk who's hunched over, or the guy who watches over the lady who's in bed bleeding. Yeah. Um, I liked all the little pathetic old men. They were great. Yeah, the hunched over guy, he has a recurring side quest. He's like a monk that never stops walking. So you Uh have to kind of like fix his path. Like you'll find him where you're stuck and you have to do something to fix his path. He's kind of like a Zelda NPC. He's like the happy mask salesman of this game or something. He is I am error. (laughs) (laughs) He's totally, he's I am error all grown up. Every time you do a thing for him though, he'll give you like a toe, Uh which is a rosary bead, I think. And once you get all four toes, you can have all the rosary beads and complete his final little thing. Yeah, and you can wear a necklace of toes. Who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> I think, you know, bringing up Zelda 2 actually um, is is a good reference point. I think that's one thing this game has that's very cool is it almost has this kind of like dark 80s, 90s fantasy feel to it in the color grading and the tone and all mm-hmm. that sorts of stuff. And I think that's something that a lot of people reference in this micro genre. Like I know earlier I mentioned that like Hollow Knight was very influenced by the game Fazanadu. A lot of people are citing Zelda 2 as a big influence on this genre. But like I think this game aesthetically brings in a little bit more of that kind of medieval darkness, Renaissance art feel. And it's sure. not just in the aesthetic and the colors, it's also in these NPCs and the voice acting and all that kind oh, of totally. stuff. And it's yeah. kind of a lost 
aesthetic. You don't see that a lot. And I was very happy to see it in this game. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I mean, there are very few flaws with this game's aesthetic. Oh, yeah. And, like, the music. The music is fantastic. Oh, yeah, so good. Drenched in reverb, there's, like, no treble at all. Like, the treble knob is off, just like Ollie's amplifier. Yeah, These dudes are definitely using the neck pickup. (laughs) Oh, my God, you're never going to let me live that down. And I don't care. I love it, dude. Yeah, I mean, uh, very... The, the soundtrack is minimal yet haunting it's got a little bit of like a Spanish guitar influence just in like the reverbed out chord progressions and the, the playing style there's definitely some some kind of flowery nylon string shit yeah um, it's great it's yeah it's it's like yeah it's like nylon string classical guitar music mixed with doom PS1 soundtrack <laughs> a little bit yeah I, there's definitely some bowed electric guitar on one of the earlier yeah. tracks, which is yeah. That's my sound. <laughs> you love it, dude. Um, there's definitely some violin rosin on my Les Paul. Oh hell yeah, you got it. It's a Les Paul. You got it. <laughs> um, yeah, it has a very strong ambient element that I really enjoyed, and I felt like it was a nice contrast to the very hectic at point at times action. You yeah. Know? Um, so that's another thing that's kind of in Hollow Knight, but Hollow Knight shifts up in the high gear a little bit more, and I liked how just chilled out this game kept it. Or ominous. Like, the boss music is more energetic, but it's mostly just ominous. Yeah. You know? It's not like a Castlevania, like, ripping deep purple thing starts up. It's, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's more uh, symphonic in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. yeah. There's no symphony. It's more like, like keyboard symphonic. Yeah. It's it's very cool. I enjoyed it a lot. I I kind of think it may have been cool, but had a little bit more of a Sega Genesis tone to it or something. Mm, maybe. <laughs> um, shout out my 16-bit demake of the theme song that definitely played at the top of this episode and last episode. Spooky. So spooky. Uh, no worries if you didn't notice it. It's fine. I noticed. Well, yeah. I mean, I had to send you the file. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so talked about the good, talked about the bad. Yeah. I mean, what else is there to talk about? Well, you had a section in here where you were just like, uh, is it better than Bloodstained? Fuck yes, it is. <laughs> I, I'm not as enthusiastic as you. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that Blasphemous. <sighs> Man, can I even say it? Okay. It's probably not better than Bloodstained. <laughs> but I, I don't know, man. Blasphemous is, is more even, right? Yeah. Bloodstained is kind of a fucking mess. But then Bloodstained has all that cool shit. Like, yeah. The characters you talk to more and then like the crafting, you're making cheesecakes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So my take on it was that <laughs> here. here's my take on it. I think bloodstained was more fun and maybe a better Mm. game with a capital g bolded and in Mm. italics it's a better game but blasphemous is a better art object that's also capital a capital o bold and in italics like (laughs) 
it's aesthetically cohesive. It is gorgeous to behold. Its systems are very fine tuned and incredibly well crafted. Like all of that stuff you collect and all those abilities you juggle. I mean, they're so the game is so well made, but once you get into the nitty gritty of it and you are exploring more and moving between areas, it's just not as fun. Like that bummer platforming and like just how tunnel visiony it gets. It's, I don't know. My take on Bloodstained is that Bloodstained was like a bottomless barrel of cheese puffs that you can gorge yourself on. It just <laughs> gave you a bunch of shit and it was like, here's what you want. Go for it. And Blasphemous is like this art house movie that has a very strict palette and a strict idea of what it's showing you. And you are sort of walking in to experience it. And sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's frustrating and it sucks, but it's a very different experience than Bloodstained. Okay, but like, okay. I feel like it would be really easy to fix Blasphemous. I mean, fix Traversal. Fixing the Traversal would make the game three hours shorter. Yeah. And that would make the experience so much tighter, especially in the second half. Yeah. Now think, think about what it would take to fix Bloodstained. That's a lot of work to fix Bloodstained. I mean, I'm not saying Bloodstain is perfect. I'm saying that the way Bloodstain interfaces with the player is, here's all this shit, do whatever you want. It's like, make your own fun, right? And I There think, is more freedom in Bloodstain, like a lot more. You get to choose right. how you play. Okay, and so here's, I referenced this at the beginning of the episode, and I said I was going to talk about it later. All right, talking about it right now, dude. So... <laughs> In Bloodstained and in any of those late era 2D Castlevania games, the whole idea is that you can choose your loadout down to your weapon, which is the most basic thing. It changes your basic attack. It changes the entire way that you play the game, right? Changes your attack speed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And worth noting, so does Dark Souls. Yes. So the whole idea is that you can customize your character as much as you want. You could make these crazy, wacky loadouts. Like I said in the Bloodstained episode, which you should definitely go listen to, is a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> I made this wacky character who had a giant fucking axe and had like a thousand percent luck. So I just like critted and got rare drops all the time, but I had like no defense. It was hilarious. Like, yeah. I was just, I was like a glass cannon who was like insanely lucky. I loved it. And I think with uh, Blasphemous, like, it's the opposite. You don't get to choose your weapon or, like, how your basic attack or Mm -hmm. your basic skills work. You don't even get a double jump ever. Like, it's very, very tightly focused. Um, But what was interesting is that with that, I got this crazy appreciation for the combat, right? Like, especially in that uh, Chrysanta fight where I was like, oh my god, there's so much depth here. Your timing can be really good. You can learn all these techniques. And blah, blah, blah. Perry, 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 Perry. Yeah, that's... It was also like, after that fight, I was like, fuck, why was that the only time that I really had to be at that level? Like, if the game is so focused, shouldn't there be more moments where I really feel like this god-level sword master? <laughs> and with Bloodstain, the answer is, no, fuck that. Be whatever you want. Be a crazy, broken build. Like, have fun, man. And in Blasphemous, it's more like, no, just be good at the game. And I just found that to be less interesting mm-hmm. and less fun. I keep coming back to the fun thing. You know, like <laughs> well, I said, I yeah. think 
Blasphemous is an amazing art object, but I'm on the fence with how it is fun at times, and I really enjoyed it. But I'm on the fence of how fun I think it is, yeah. or who I would recommend it to. I don't know. The fun gets drained for really fixable things, though. Yeah, and man, I'm really looking forward to Blasphemous too, right? Yeah, because this yeah. is a really young studio, so yeah, like they don't have the experience that Ega Kuhn has. Those things put me off from enjoying things about the game that I really enjoyed. Like I really wanted to complete all of the side quests that I had most or all the items for. I really wanted to find more uh, like um, Estus flasks. I wanted to find that last rosary bead or get the last sword upgrade. And I just didn't do it because I didn't want to explore anymore. I'd done it enough and I didn't want to do it anymore because it was really frustrating me. I don't know. I that like it's complicated. Those are my thoughts on it. Like I think there's things about the game that are peerless and incredible, and things about the game that I felt really frustrating. I think if you're listening, I mean you're trying to make up your mind. I think if the stuff that sounds good to you really piques your interest and you like the art style and want to experience it, I would say go for it. Like I always say, if you don't want to finish it, don't finish it. There's six or seven hours of great fucking game in here. And if that's all you want, you don't care because the ending is dumb. Like it's like you know, it's Did like you get the uh, good ending? No, fuck no. Got the bad ending. Okay, well, spoiler alert, uh, you die in both endings, so it's like whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I didn't get the bad ending, so apparently you just like fall into a pile of ash or something. You try and climb a mountain of ash and you just sink into it, and then the guy, Conehead, who's been falling around all game, yeah, is yeah. like, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I got to the top of the mountain of ash, and I sat on a throne and died hell yeah (laughs) the end Um, yeah so it's like the the narrative is is obtuse enough and the conclusion is not deep or or conclusive enough to even be worth it so it's like if you just want to get a few hours of really fun game i mean and just a cool aesthetic experience totally check it out but i'm definitely not going to recommend that people 100 percent this or like you know totally like live that life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, love Dark Souls, love Soten, give it a try. Um, yeah, easy recommendation there, too. You'll it, be ready for some of the big, frustrating stuff in it. Even if you just love pixel art, like, out of this world, or flashback, or something like that, with, like, gorgeous, stark pixel art, like, play it for that. And the cool cutscenes, very, very out of this world. So gangster. Um, so good. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting game to review for this show. Because like I said, I walked away from it and I felt everything. Like, <laughs> I had the moments where I thought it was incredible and I had the moments where I was just very extremely frustrated with it. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully there's something there for you that can help you make up your mind or that you enjoyed listening to. Three and a half stars. <laughs> oh my God, James. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> All right, is it time for Game Club? Is it time for Game Club? It's You're game handing out club, stars. Man. It's time for goddamn Game Club. I'm I'm banging it. I'm hanging up the phone on this episode, dude. <laughs> Joe Bob says three and a half stars. <laughs> game Club. Game Club now. From Soft. Kuan. <laughs> the classic. You know what's funny about that is that. Yeah, FromSoft didn't register to me as being notable until like Dark Souls came out and people were talking about like, oh, From Software, From Software. But I went back and was like, mm-hmm. man, I've played like most of the FromSoft games pre-Dark Souls that came out in America. Kingsfield. Yeah. Armored Core. Yep. 
fucking this. Yeah, Echo Knight. Oh Echo yeah, Echo Knight Beyond. I played Echo Knight Beyond as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and Echo Knight One mm-hmm. and um, uh, Ever Ring or Ever Grace. Uh, I forget what it's called. One of those PS2 crappy PS2 game. Mm. Um, they had a whole bunch of them, and uh, yeah, Kuon, which I like, I said bought for twelve fifty. Uh, sold for maybe like 150 bucks and now it's like worth a billion or whatever <laughs> i think it's in the 250 ish range yeah so i kind of made my money on it um nice but uh yeah kuon rare ps2 horror game uh like i said have feelings but i'm gonna re reignite the flame see what happens yeah um, i've never played it so it'll be interesting to me yeah and then after Kuan. Oh, what's that? I think it's fucking Halloween, dude. Whoa. Am I, it's Halloween. Yeah. 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 And uh, our Halloween special this year has two things that are special about it. Number one, James is finally going to play The Evil Within. <laughs> uh, hey, I played it. I just didn't like no. it. So well, I didn't you're play gonna... very much. All right, Halloween special. It's going to be like a Grinch thing, and James is going to learn to love the evil within. <laughs> um, it's going to be a whole emotional journey, and we're not going on it alone. My good friend, bandmate, musical collaborator, Cole Benson, is going to join us. And Tight. It's, it's going to be super fucking fun, and James is going to really like that game a lot, and we're not going to argue, and we're all going to be happy and friends, and I'm just so excited for it, guys. So it's Kuan. And then our Halloween special, Evil Within, featuring special guests. Uh, it's going to be great. We'll see you there. Goodbye. Good night. Please get out of my living room. <laughs>